is the new Formula One. It's same as the old Formula One. Max Verstappen and Red Bull dominated the Bahrain Grand Prix, took the opening race of the season. And for Verstappen, it's his 17th win over the last 24 races, going back to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2001. And it was another disappointing day for Ferrari after a 3-4 start on the grid, with Charles Leclerc suffering engine trouble, Carlisle Sainz being left off the podium. However, it was a huge day for Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso, who earned a podium finish in a car that was very, very impressive in both preseason testing and in this Grand Prix. So we're going to review the Bahrain Grand Prix tell you what I liked, what I didn't like, give you our grades for all 10 teams. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Glad you could be with us. I'm Tony Deziri. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I hope you will subscribe to the channel and get our previews and reviews throughout the season. If you are a listener that is not subscribed, please, I'd love for you to subscribe, share it with your friends, help us grow this podcast. Really do appreciate it. All right, there is not a lot to talk about in terms of the competitiveness of this race as far as the checkered flag and the winner because there wasn't any. Max Verstappen just ran away with the field and dominated this race. He only lost his lead when he went into the pits. I mean, he beat Sergio Perez by 11 seconds. It's just... He had it so much in the bag that the broadcast teams, they didn't even show any of them, hardly. I mean, it was that much of a dominating performance. But behind him, there was some interesting stuff that we can dissect for the Bahrain Grand Prix. And it does start with Fernando Alonso. His move to Aston Martin, if you remember in the offseason, a little bit surprising. He was leaving Alpine, but, you know, you could start seeing like, all right, maybe he was interested in making a move to a team that had made its intentions known when it came to the car. They were going to have a couple of down years, but they were really putting a lot of effort into making the car competitive. And he likely saw that what Lawrence Stroll was developing with that team and decided he wanted to be a part of it, given Sebastian Vettel's retirement. Now, the team has a new facility at Silverstone. They were developing a solid car. So it's not that surprising. Sebastian Vettel didn't, by the way, didn't get to drive it in his time with the team, but now it looks like they are a very strong car that can compete with Mercedes and Ferrari week in and week out. They impressed in preseason testing, as we mentioned before, and they had both of their cars in Q3 on Saturday, and one of their drivers was dealing with a broken wrist in Lance Stroll and pins in it and everything from a bike accident. But from the standpoint of Alonso, he ends up in P3, ends up on the podium. He does benefit from Charles Leclerc's engine problems, and he did overtake Carlos Sainz. But it's a very, very big deal because let's see where this car is throughout the season. You know, one one race does not make a season. But now, because we kind of thought that there was a big three with like Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull kind of way on top, but it's kind of a three-team up front kind of Formula One season, there might be four now with Aston Martin in that mix. And now that's got to add more pressure to Ferrari and Mercedes. While not necessarily with the pace to catch Red Bull, they might be in a position to be fighting each other for P2 and the constructors and all sorts of driver's slots on the way down. All right, so let's get to the issue at hand here, and that is Max Verstappen dominating this race, and is it a precursor for what is to come in the 2023 season? Meaning, are we just going to get a repeat of what we saw in 2022? Because if we are, I know a lot of people that are going to check out of this, especially newer fans that are coming on board all the time, especially here in America. They get excited about Drive to Survive, or they're hearing about it from friends, or they're listening to a podcast like this, and they want so badly to be a part of this, and then they get there and they realize, wow, this this is not as competitive as I thought it was going to be. 
All right. Now we went through this last year, but we've also gone through it in years before. If you've been a fan of this sport for a while, right, whether it's Michael Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton in recent history, there have been seasons where they've ran away with it too. Yes, you can go back to 2012, seven races, seven different drivers starting that season. I, you can do that. But for the most part, there has been eras of time where one team and one driver has dominated the races, and every now and then somebody else wins. That's what we're getting, and this time it's just Max Verstappen at Red Bull. Now, would I love a grid that we've got competitive cars, you know, five or six of them on the grid? Of course, I think most of us would, right? But that's not what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a team that is so dialed in and a driver that doesn't put a foot wrong, and he is a special generational talent. And we can do two things with this. We can ignore it because it's not fun or it's not competitive or it's not entertaining. Or we can celebrate it because it's one individual that's dominating a sport that takes a special talent. And again, you know, we're we're ushering in a certain person's era of dominance in the sport. You go back to last season. I don't know how people want to perceive this. I, I, I for one, love getting up in the morning on Sundays, Grand Prix weekends, and watching a competitive race. I don't want to watch a Grand Prix where I'm wondering what does Max Verstappen have to have happen to him in order to not win the Grand Prix? Does he have to get in an accident? I don't want that. Does his car have to fail? All right. Does there have, does there have to be a long pit stop where a lug nut is stuck like Valtteri Botas at Monaco two years ago? Like, is there something that I have to root for that I don't really want to root for in order to see somebody else win the Grand Prix? Because what I'm not going to see is a car go head-to-head -head with Verstappen, lap after lap after lap after lap, all the way through to the checkered flag, and then edging Max Verstappen at the line. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember 2022, and I'm trying to think that the last mano-a-mano -mano battle that Verstappen had was at Jeddah, race number two of the season, and he won that race, beating out Charles Leclerc. But you remember, that went down to the last few laps of that Grand Prix. But I can't remember in 2022 him having a, 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 a battle where he just went after it with a guy back and forth, right? I mean, any race that he didn't win, I don't think he was a close second in any of them. I don't think we're going to get that in 2023. We are going to get different winners. He's not going to win all 23 races of the year, even though he certainly looks like he can. Uh, we know he can, but, he, you know, it's just not going to happen. But if your fan base does feel like the Grand Prix are not going to be competitive, that they're not going to see something unique or different or whatnot, you're going to lose some people. That's just the nature of it. So celebrate the Max Verstappen dominance because he's a generational talent, but there is some concern that all the momentum that you've built, especially after 2021, one of the greatest seasons that we've had in the sport, that's, that's not kicking around anymore. All right, so here's some things I liked about the Bahrain Grand Prix. Here's some things I did not like. Let's start with some of the things that I did like. Well, I really liked qualifying on Saturday. That was one of the first things I did like. I thought the closeness of the pack was really impressive in terms of teams advancing into Q2. Logan Sargent, for example, was not advancing. He had the same exact lap time as Lando Norris, but Norris posted it first, so he got to advance to Q2. Sargent ended up with the 16th spot on the grid. Uh, Magnussen, Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries, those, th those drivers were out, but they were, they were in competitive cars. You can see it was very, very close of them being 
in the elimination zone and getting to Q2. And I thought that was pretty, pretty impressive to see. Now, again, on in Q1, Charles Leclerc sat out, didn't want to give a final qualifying run to try to top Max Verstappen's post of 129.7, but he wanted to save his tires. I didn't like that. I get the strategy. You don't have to argue with me on that. I understand why he didn't do it, but I, I want to see them go all out. I want to see them try at least uh, to make that happen. But I did really like qualifying. The thing I really liked about the Grand Prix, though, I have to say is Fernando Alonso. I mean, to see the two-time world champion on the podium and celebrating and smiling and knowing he made a very good decision with going with Aston Martin and that the preseason hype was legit. They were in a very fast car. They are going to be the fourth team now in that group of four. Well, if you want to talk at three teams in the 1B category, because right now Red Bull is sort of like it's unfair to Red Bull to put them in the same category as Ferrari, Mercedes and Aston Martin. So there's 1A, Red Bull, 1B, those three cars. And just to see him be excited to be competitive. Like it's fine. If you want to race for P eight, you know, it's fine. If you want to race for P nine, try to get that last point, but he's racing to get a podium. Now he, he, that was what was going on this. Even when Leclerc was very comfortable in P three, people were still at least on Twitter, pulling for Alonzo to get to up even further, as close as he can, maybe something could happen where he could get a podium. So even when it looked like Leclerc was going to get that P three spot, there was still kind of, hope and Ferrari didn't let us down. Uh, one other thing, Logan Sargent, the American on the grid, good performance, a P12, um, had a very, very good run for Williams and an impressive weekend uh, just being a rookie. He didn't have the luxury of like what Nick DeVries had, which was being in a Formula One car um, at some point as a fill-in driver, DeVries filling in in Williams last year at Monza. So his first weekend in a form, you can only imagine the nerves, right? Especially on the grid, especially on the start, getting a good start, going to the line and he handled himself really, really well. So a P 12 for him in his American debut, first American on the grid since uh, 2014, 15 Alexander Rossi. So a good performance from Logan Sargent. So those are some of the things I liked about the Bahrain Grand Prix. Here's some of the things I did not like about the Bahrain Grand Prix one. All right. I'm, I said it earlier. Um, there was no competition in this. There really wasn't. I mean, even when you look at the way the race situated itself in the final, the final spots. Yeah. Fernando Alonso had a nice overtake of Carlos Sainz. And yes, he battled Lewis Hamilton and yes, Lance Stroll and George Russell had a little bit of a back and forth. Sure. I'm always going to find that on a 20 car grid, right? I'm always going to find those battles, but when Verstappen wins a race by 11 seconds and then uh, he beats Fernando Alonso by 38, Lewis Hamilton in P5, he beat him by 51 seconds. It's only a minute 30 around that track. Verstappen crossed the line in almost a minute ahead of Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he lapped. Only 11 cars finished on the lead lap. Right? I mean, it's... It, that's the thing that is, I don't want to see this week in and week out. I'm sorry. I, I understand the dynamics of Formula One. I understand the engineering of this. I understand the team that, that you build around, the testing, the research, everything that you put into a car. It really is a constructor's championship. And I understand there's thousand people that work on this thing. But I, I'm not going to be, I, I, I'm not watching a car. Like there was one point where David Croft goes, and there's Max Verstappen. And way back at the other end of the, of the, the straight, the, the back end of the straight, here comes Sergio Perez coming around the corner. That's a deep of a lead Verstappen had in this thing. All right. 
rant over. I'm pro- I'm, I'm, I promise I will not do this all season if Verstappen indeed is just running away with Grand Prix from the pole position. I promise. But that's the one thing I did not like. The other thing I did not like was um, Esteban Ocon. We'll get to this later in the um, in the grades for the teams, but Ocon got like the triple whammy. If you want to call it a Grand Slam, there's another term. They used Grand Slam for something else. So I'm going to I'm going to try to come up with another term for it. But basically it's this. Right. He he is in the wrong starting spot. He gets a five second penalty. He comes in to do that five second penalty. They mess up his wing. He has to come in to get that fixed, but he's speeding. So now he's he's tagged with that. And oh, by the way, they go, yeah, just retire the car. I mean, it's just a complete, complete waste of a race before Esteban Ocon. Right. I mean, it's just what a way to open up the season. Uh, the other thing I did not like, uh, I did not like McLaren at all. I mean, uh, poor Oscar Piastri. I mean, he's it must be thrilled that he's on this team uh, because McLaren did not look good at all. Now it could be a Bahrain thing. They didn't, they do not like the setup at that track. They said it, they said it was, this is not our place. So maybe they will be more competitive as the, as the series clicks on, but boy, what a disaster weekend that is. But again, we got team reports coming up. So those are some of the things I liked and some of the things I didn't like, but the biggest thing I did not like being a Ferrari fan is same old Ferrari. I'm getting really getting tired of this. I mean, I can I can list the million things that went wrong with that team last year, and I don't want to add Bahrain as sort of the overlap to 2022. All right? I want to separate the seasons. I want to have a fresh page. I want to have a fresh start. And Carlos Sainz getting passed by Fernando Alonso is one thing, but Charles Leclerc's engine trouble just causes him to stall. Again, that happens in this sport. That's There's nothing, you know, that happened to Red Bull last year at the beginning of the season. But Ferrari died. Dial it in because you've set this guy back now to a, a, a mountain climb that he's not going to get back into it. Look, he's not competing for a world championship right now, but he is going to be competing with Perez, Alonzo, Carlos Sainz, Hamilton, Russell. He's going to be competing with those guys for a driver's spot on that top five or top three. And right now he's got zero points. And there'll be other races where he won't, he'll have zero points. And to be fair, Sergio Perez is likely to have a race. Max Verstappen is likely to have a race where he's not in the top 10, right? That happens in this sport. But, but here's the thing. When you had a season where you can list a whole bunch of things that went wrong, where it felt like every Grand Prix, there was something that that team did whether it was strategy, whether it was car setup, whether it was driver mistakes. I mean, the list went on of all sorts of different ways Ferrari screwed up. And then you see in watching the race, there's Charles Leclerc in P3 humming right along. And then, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's like they just reminded you, like, yeah, you know what? Same old Formula One, right? Same. You remember this last year? You loved it last year. You're going to love the 2023 edition. Max Verstappen dominating a race and Ferrari failing some point. And that's what it just felt like. I might be bitter because I'm a Ferrari guy, so please forgive me, but that's just kind of the way I see it. All right, team grades. We're going to go over all 10 teams real quick and give me give you my report card grade for it. Um, with Red Bull, it's an A+. It's an easy A+. They had one of the two spots on the grid to start the race. They finished 1-2 in a dominating way. Verstappen only lost the lead when he pitted and was in no danger at all from anybody on this on the circuit at all. In fact, it's getting to a point. Now, I was making this point to my uh, my, my friend. I said it's getting to a point when they cut the audio, they cut into the audio of Max Verstappen on the radio complaining about something. Just ignore it until you actually see it. Because one, he could be toying with teams, you know, over the radio. But the other thing too is 
he doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all. Like, remember last year, he'd be like, oh, yeah, the gear shift is stuck. I can't. And not, then you'd go, whatever happened to that? Did that affect his lap times? Because I don't see it affecting his lap times. He'll complain about something and then it'll just go away or it'll just be fixed or he doesn't bother him at all. So they just go, all right, Max, uh, we will uh, check in on that. And then that's it. Then boom, here comes another great lap time. Boom, here comes another purple sector. So when they do that, Here's my advice. Just ignore it until you actually see him struggle. Until you actually start noticing the cars are catching up to him and then he's sliding off the track. Because until then, it's all just for show, right? It's just becoming too routine with this team now. It really is. It's just, bam. Like he, he just flies off the grid and nobody can catch him. Aston Martin. This is an A. An absolute A. Could have been an A+. Uh, the team lived up to their preseason hype with Fernando Alonso getting the podium with a third-place finish. Um, adding to their success, it was Lance Stroll getting a P6, coming off his injured wrist from a bike accident. I don't want to give him an A+, because I really need to set that up. Like, the standard for this race was 1-2 start, 1-2 finish, but I'll give him the A. I'll give him the A with, like, maybe half a plus sign. But Lance Stroll getting the P6 after the bike accident. Alonzo, man, he is going to be really fun to follow this season. He might actually win a race or two because there are going to be some circumstances where, hey, lo and behold, look what, look who's up front. And by the way, look who's no longer around for whatever reason. So you might actually see Fernando Alonso win a Grand Prix this year. But he's getting that youthful energy, right? And that's what happens to some of these guys when they get back into the sport. Uh, you see it in other individual sports. They draw on success and they're just grasping at some youthful energy and he has got it man he has got it the energy that he had on that podium and you know he's been saying all the right things about this car he fought Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton on the track he obviously like I said before gets energy from that stroll he dealt with the injury he did make it in the points all of that teamwork that they did to get this car competitive for 2023 right now it looks like it's paying off Ferrari it's a D I could have given him an F but Carlos Carlos Sainz did finish P4, so I don't want to be too hard on the team. Um, they were just outside of the podium. It should have been a third-place finish for, for Charles Leclerc. He was really cruising. Um, but Carlos Sainz wasn't quick enough to hold off Fernando Alonso. He even admitted that afterwards. So I, I just wasn't quick to hold him off. All right, so they knew, though, after testing prior to the Grand Prix, that their car was going to be in a real competitive shape near the top of the grid, right? They, they did say that. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, Charles Leclerc wanted to save the soft tires. He didn't want to put another few laps on them um, out on the, during qualifying in Q3. So he had more fresh soft tires, hoped to maybe get something out of that. It didn't really you know, pay off. Perez and Verstappen took off and that was pretty much it. Leclerc, Ended up having engine trouble. He was out of the Grand Prix, so he starts his season with zero points. But like I said, he should have cruised to a P3, but that's just Ferrari. When you think it's going to be okay, it's like it's not okay. Uh, Mercedes, I gave them a C+. Hamilton finished fifth, and Russell ran seventh. So the team got double points, all right? So you're probably going, well, why the C-plus grade? I mean, that's just a little bit above average. It's not like we were expecting them to win this Grand Prix or anything like that. Hamilton feels like the team got a, it's got tremendous amount of work to do, right? And he's right. But at the flip side of that, they got the best results that they probably were expecting given their circumstance. So they knew that the car wasn't going to be competitive. And this is about right. You know, a fifth place finish and a seventh place finish is about right. So that worked for Hamilton, right? Like, look, I understand where I'm at. I understand what I can do with this car and fifth, 
that's probably the best I'm going to do today. And Russell, eh, maybe he could have beat Lance Stroll, but that's about it too. But Toto Wolf, he was a lot less generous than I'm giving him because he said it was one of the worst days of racing the team has ever had, right? They were going into this season competing with Ferrari for P2 in the constructors, P2 in the driver's standings. That was their kind of thought process. Now they got Aston Martin. They got Lawrence Stroll's team to deal with now. So I gave him a C plus. Now, as far as Alpine, they get a C. We do a segment on my radio show, my weekday radio show, The Good, The Bad, and The Dumb. This is The Good, The Bad, and The Dumb. First, The Good, Pierre Gasly drove the crap out of that car. I mentioned that in The Good Things That I Liked About the Bahrain Grand Prix. Went from last place position to at one point in the top 10, stayed in the top 10, ninth to be exact. Great debut for his new team. But Esteban Ocon, wow, what a disaster. Started ninth on the grid, which is good, right? He was in Q3. Then it started to become a complete mess. He was given a time penalty for being out of place on the grid. Then he came in to serve that penalty and the mechanics worked on his front wing. Then he had to come back and then he was caught speeding and then he just retired from the race. So a complete disaster. Good Pierre Gasly. Bad. What happened to Pierre Esteban Ocon? Dumb. Speeding. Don't speed on pit lane. Just don't. It's it's just, they're going to catch you every single time you do it. Williams, I gave them a B plus. Hey, look at Williams. They got the final point of the race of the Grand Prix when Alex Almond crossed the line at 10th. Logan Sargent, the best rookie finisher of the day with a P12. Albon got the point after starting 15th. Sargent impressed on Saturday with his qualifying in Q1. Same as Lando Norris, but he had to sit out a Q2. He had a nice run in his F1 debut. He felt like the team outperformed expectations with nothing wrong on the day. Albon got a great start off the grid, got into some nice on-track battles, working his way up the field. So yeah, hey, Williams, well done. I'd love to see both drivers in the points, but getting one is good. And that's a B plus grade for you at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Alfa Romeo, B minus. Good day for Valtteri Bottas. He's always done well in Bahrain, but you know, the kind of the caveat is many of those years he was driving a Mercedes, but anyway, credit where it's due. He finished eighth. He made off with a great start off the grid. The strategy worked for him. It was nearly flawless. If you really want to put, you know, put it to words, his teammate, Joe Guan Yu, well, he didn't end up so well. He finished 16th. Now he finished with the fastest lap at the end, but no top 10 finish equals no point. However, both drivers felt that the car was set up really, really well. Alphatari, I gave them a B. Um, Yuki Sonoda is now the senior driver on that team. He finished 11th, was trying to battle with Albon for that final spot. Nick DeVries finished 14th. Now, this was not his first F1 race, as I mentioned earlier, filled in at Williams uh, at Monza last season, but it was his debut race for the team. He did admit there's a lot of room for improvement. You would expect him to say that, but they didn't pit under the safety car that left him with some hard tires. Sonoda, though, really liked the race pace of the car, said he was challenging Albon for that final point. That's always good. Um, he did make good use of his tires, but when he needed them to push, this was his complaint afterwards, when he needed them to push, uh, they deteriorated on him. So that was one of the things that he noticed about his race car. Going around the track, just kind of at pace, good. When he needed to push, and they started to get away from him a little bit. So Alpine got a B grade. McLaren, that's a flat-out F. Complete waste of race for the team. If Total Wolf had problems with Mercedes saying it was one of the worst racing days in the team's history, 
Zach Brown must have had the same thought about McLaren. Oscar Piastri had to retire with electrical problems that ended his rookie debut. And then Lando Norris pitted six times because he was having a problem with his car. And uh, it ran, he was the last car running uh, at the end, P17. So three retirements, including Piastri, and Lando finished the back end, the last car that was racing at the end of the Grand Prix. So they get an F. They get an F. Haas, a D. Really nothing much to mention here. They just, it was a bad day for the Haas team. Nico Hulkenberg finished 15th. Kevin Magnuson ran 13th. And that's the usual Haas results. But the team had Hulkenberg in Q3 on Saturday and started started 10th on the grid. Now, again, that's just dropping back five spots. But when you have a couple of retirements and you, if your race pace isn't there and it wasn't for Haas, you're going to fall back in the field. And they fell back on the field. So a deep for the Haas team. All right. So we will next week have a preview of Jeddah, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And then you want to stick around for our review the following weekend. So that's the 19th when we have that race. So Formula One taking this weekend off. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening to our review of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. If you have any questions about the podcast, let me know what you think about the podcast. If you do like it, please, please subscribe. I hope you do. Please share it because we could really use the social media presence. I'm doing the best to try to make this grow as an American sports broadcaster, trying to include more Formula One in my daily conversations with the other sports that I cover on a regular basis. So I'm really glad you're able to listen to this. Hope again you'll join us for a preview of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix coming up next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your time between races. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.